based on the 2005 novel of the same name by Newfoundland and Labrador author Joan Clark, An Audience of Chairs, stars one of my guests, Carolina Bartzak, as a woman who risks everything in order to reconnect with her daughters she thought she'd lost forever. Also with us is Gord Rand, who plays Ben, a lonely trucker with a heart of gold who passes through town. There's more, but we'll get to that. Uh, I don't want to give anything much away uh, about this, but congratulations on the film. Thank you. Thank you very much. When I saw you last, you were telling me about it, Carolina. You said you'd starred in this thing. You you had made this film. Uh, How does it feel to have it you know, on the verge of being out now? Um, It's so exciting and scary because the two weeks before a film release, you do a lot of these, you do a lot of interviews and you get to see your co-stars again which is so much fun but also we finished shooting two years ago so there's sometimes you have to think oh yeah what what happened that day and so it's a bit of a a recall but it's so much fun and it's so nice to have um, all the cast together again and we're going to get to celebrate it next weekend March 22nd. I interviewed uh, Laura Linney once about a movie I don't remember what the movie was and I was asking her very specific questions about the film and she's like dude I made this movie three years ago, and I've made six <laughs> since then. I don't, re- I don't remember. Yeah, I, I was, don't know. I was at a Q and A last week, and someone said, and someone asked me about the person who plays my husband, and I couldn't for the life of me remember what his character's name was. So I was just sitting there fumbling. Uh, Duncan. <laughs> Duncan, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now I've seen the movie more recently than you. Yeah, and, right, and do you feel right. the same thing, Gord? Oh, and no, I remember every single <laughs> bit of it. It was yeah. a very I'm special time for him. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. It's, a, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of, um, it's all, and it's also when you're shooting, it's kind of a crazy maelstrom of insanity. So, yeah. You know, sometimes you remember some stuff and you're like, oh my God, that all happened on the same day because we were shooting for 20 hours or something. Yeah. Well, and you were shooting in Newfoundland for a great mm-hmm. deal of this yes. in kind of a remote part of mm. Newfoundland. Tell me about that. Uh, I mean, we, we shot in a place called Tors Cove. That's where my house uh, exists in the story and that's actually where we're shooting. And um, it's a little tiny house. I mean, I would say it's about 400 square feet Um, on the side of the Atlantic Ocean, and we would be shooting in the middle of the day, and we happened to get this amazing July Newfoundland weather. Yeah, I noticed it doesn't rain a lot in the movie. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It was... The funniest part was that all the Newfoundlanders were like, I'm dying of heat stroke, and I was like, it's 20 degrees. (laughs) But um, there was also all these whales that were just coming yeah, into the right. bay. So yeah. we would get so distracted in the middle of shooting because there yeah. would just be a family of whales swimming by our yeah. set. Yeah. <laughs> and we have set pictures of all of us just staring out into the ocean because you, you can't just, you can't turn away when a whale yeah. <laughs> swims by. Gordy, it's one of the most uncommonly beautiful places. Yeah. Certainly yeah. in the country. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. And those whales were quite amazing. I'd not really ever seen whales before. Yeah. And there they were on the beach. And I remember there was like... Um, you know, they were calling, I was supposed to come around the corner with a can of paint or something. And uh, they were calling for action and I was staring at the whales. <laughs> like, you know, they called it. I was like a little late for my cue, but I was like, this is going to inform this next scene so yeah, well. It's part of my Nothing process. Like, yeah, seeing a beautiful whale breach and then like rounding the corner for the scene. It was pretty nice. <laughs> and what happens down there if you blow a light? Is is there are there film is there a film community in Newfoundland? I mean, I know they they're, they're, they make movies down there, so there must be. Yeah, I think there's a burgeoning scene. There's a couple of television shows that are being shot in St. John's, yeah. so there is 
definitely a, a crew out there and, and a very supportive crew mm-hmm. and a very fun. I mean, Newfoundlanders, I've never met a mean Newfoundlander, have mm-hmm. you? Yeah, like, they're yeah. just they don't exist. so cool and yeah. chill. And, I mean, being on, we had a really relaxed set, which is, you know, as an actor, you're so grateful for a happy set where people are happy to be there and, and wanting to do their job. And, um, and that's what we had. We had a really fun mm-hmm. set. I think there was one day after 18 hours where like me and Deanne had one crossword, but like, <laughs> yeah. the fact that that happened over three months is pretty incredible. And and that is your director, Deanne Foley. Yes. And this is a different kind of thing for her. She's directed, you know, a lot of comedy. She's directed a Republic of Doyle, things like this. Um, this movie is a lot of things. Funny is not one of them. No. Yeah. It's no. a pretty, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, a pretty, uh, deep story. Yeah. Uh, tell me, and I'll start with you, Gord, on this one. What, what brought you to this script? What was it about it that appealed to you? Uh, I really loved the character that I got to play without giving too much away. You know, um, I play a lot of bad guys and a lot of weirdos. And this one, it was like, he was a sort of a weirdo, but he's kind of a good guy. Yeah. Uh, and so that was very attractive to me. Um, and then, uh, you know, on set, it was great because it was working with Carolina and she's very generous as an actor and extremely talented. Her performance is Go on. deep, profound, <laughs> unsettling <laughs> and excellent. So Thank it's, uh, it was a real honor to be able to, um, I guess compliment that would be, uh, I would is, allow myself to say. Because your character has an arc that, that you might not expect yeah. for me anyway, yeah. uh, that goes, and we, we can't talk about it too much without giving yeah. stuff away, but, um, he turns out to be not exactly the guy that he might have turned out to be. Yeah. He yeah. subverts they your sh- expectations. They share that in a way, I think. I mean, I think the real hard journey is, uh, is, is Carolina's part, which is, you know, that's someone who's, you know, as you'll see in the film, it's a, it's a difficult journey that that character is going on, Moira is going on. Um, uh, and in Ben, I think Ben's a similar kind of, um, you know, has, has, uh, uh, some difficulties to get over of his own and some, you know, challenges that he has to surmount. Um, so it was, uh, it was great to be able to, you know, play that and, you know, figure out how to do that. We're talking about the film, An Audience of Chairs. It opens on March 22nd. Check your local listings. Uh, we've got two of the stars, Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand. Uh, Carolina, same question. What brought you to this? Because it, it is uh, dark by times. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of forgiveness and all that. But it, it goes to some pretty dark places. What? Why did it appeal to you? Um, it actually really didn't. Um, when I first got the audition, the, the uh, what happens is you get your audition, you get to read a couple pages right. from the script. <clears throat> um, and they were the two darkest scenes from the film. And I, I actually emailed my agent just saying, I can't do this. This is just too much right now. But then I think my work ethic kicked in and I was like, whatever, I'll just, I'll just do the tape. And I did it. And then I got a favorable response from the director, which then, um, gave me the time. Usually you do not have time between like a first audition and a second audition, but for some reason we had two weeks. And so I went and bought the book and spent some time with the book. Um, and that's when I really fell in love with the character and then fell in love with the part. Um, yeah, I, I was so drawn to the spectrum of emotions that happen throughout this book. She is a beautiful, fun, eccentric woman, but then she's also dark and, and horrible at times, and she's very unlikable. She does some things that are kind of unforgivable, and, and it's hard to talk about it again without giving stuff away, but she endangers her children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and But the thing about playing a character like 
like her, for me anyway, is that you can't vilify her because she, while she does things that are kind of unforgivable, um, she's mentally ill. Yeah. And so you have to, it, it, it rides a very fine line between, uh, uh, you know, showing these things and exploiting them, I guess. And you have to be careful as an actor and I guess as the director, Deanne Foley, uh, to make sure that you're not vilifying Absolutely. Her. And and one of the discussions I had with Deanne before we started on this journey was <clears throat> I, I wanted to make sure that we were as true to life with this character as possible. And this is based on a real woman, so... I wanted it to be an honest portrayal of who she was. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this. So Joan Clark, who was born in my hometown, by the way, of Liverpool, Nova Scotia, uh, wrote this novel and based this character on one of her cousins. Yeah. And Joan Clark uh, visited the set. She was there. Did you have discussions with her about this? You are playing a real person. You want to make sure that you honor and respect that person. But it's also a character in a film, so... Yeah, I actually didn't get to meet her because I was working. <laughs> it was one of those It was one of those sets where I, I was working the whole time. A lot of times on television shows, you get to kind of sit down and relax for a long time, but this was not one of them. Um, so I actually missed her visit to set, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that this was going to be as true to life. Um, portraying mental illness is such a fine line. I, I didn't want to go Jack Nicholson like crazy face. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to make it more real. And so we, um, I asked Deanne to um, hire me a trauma therapist. So I worked through this entire script with a trauma therapist and as well with a musician who suffered from bipolar disorder as well. A cellist, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when these two women read the script and we sat and talked about it and they gave me the thumbs up from their perspective, it allowed me to really trust the script. And and one of the, the things that this cellist said to me, she said, whoever wrote this script either has bipolar disorder or lives with someone with bipolar disorder because there's so many small hints that are dropped along the way of her behavior mm-hmm. um, that she's suffering from mental illness. So as soon as I knew that, I felt so much more confident that this, that I could trust the writing. We're talking about the film An Audience of Chairs. Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand are my guests. Uh, it is a film about a woman with with mental illness who we see the descent. When we first meet your character, uh, the, the first glimpse of her, she's on a concert stage playing piano in front of a, a crowd. And we're, we're told, oh, yeah, we've got an audition coming up for a big American tour. We're going to take a couple of weeks, rest and relaxation. And then little bit by little bit, incrementally, we see her kind of fall apart when life doesn't go the way that she had planned. And I think that's important. I think it's important to show uh, the idea that... that uh, Sometimes things beyond your control can happen uh, when life just happens around you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, unfortunately, I mean, this movie takes place in the 90s. I think we've traveled Mm -hmm. so far um, into the future as to how our understanding of mental illness uh, in the 90s, it still was something that wasn't really talked about. You didn't talk about it. It's only been recently, really. And, and, you know, even with the, the, the deaths of people like Anthony Bourdain that people are saying, you know, from the outside, it looked like he had it all. But, you know, then there was obviously turmoil inside. And I think that this movie does a good job of, of showing that. We'll continue the conversation about an audience of chairs. When we come back, it opens on March 22nd. In studio, I have Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand, two of the stars of the film. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. 
based on a 2005 novel of the same name by Joan Clark, An Audience of Chairs, stars my guests Carolina Bartsack and Gord Rand. Carolina plays a woman who risks everything in order to reconnect with the daughters that she thought she'd lost forever. It opens on March 22nd. Uh, shot in Newfoundland, it's beautiful to have a look at. I think uh, Newfoundland offers up uh, a fair amount of production value just by you know, the fact that it exists, mm-hmm. that it's there, it sure that you does. can point a camera at it. It doesn't look real at times. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Had you been? Uh, yeah, I'd shot a, a Doyle out there before. Right. Um, but I hadn't been out to the outside of Newfoundland, and especially not in the summertime. Yes. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And we drove basically all over the place in Newfoundland. We shot all over the place. Didn't yeah. We? And we were just on the coast the entire time. Yeah. So all of, yeah. all we saw was oceans and cliffs. Yeah. It was so gorgeous. It gives you, uh, being that close to the Atlantic Ocean, I always think, because uh, I grew up on the Atlantic Ocean, gives you a sense of the power mm. of that body of water. Mm. Like it really, there's something about, about it that, that unless you've experienced it, uh, you can't really describe, I don't think. Yeah. And even in St. John's, um, you can take, you know, a, an hour walk out to these cliffs. What is that called? There's a specific walk. Oh, like the battery? Yeah. You can walk yeah. through the battery and you walk, you walk on these giant cliffs and you're, you're literally, if you yeah. were to see on the other side, you'd see France. Like you're yeah. just <laughs> looking yeah. out wow. towards France. It's, it's yeah. so incredible. Yeah. And uh, the film uh, deals with some very, very uh, serious issues about mental illness. Um, what do you hope that that people walk away from uh, from this film saying? Is it just the beginning of a conversation, or is it the conversation? I think that um, from from after shooting this film, I realized that everyone that I spoke to about it, everyone has a story about a family member or a loved one that suffers from mental illness. So what I would love people to take from this film is to see, um, is to see the spectrum of what mental illness can look like, and that with the right support, with the right um, love in your life, you can live a normal life with it. Um, and that is one of the biggest lessons I learned from the woman that I studied with who had bipolar disorder. She said that once she figured out she had it, she takes all the precautions to make sure that she doesn't fall into. Um, places of mania or places of depression and that she lives a completely normal life even though she has the severe mental illness the bipolar there's two versions of bipolar there's Mm -hmm. one and two one is a lot more mild and two is much more and your character has two exactly Yeah. yeah and um there is a way of living a normal life but it does require that conversation and one of the things that um is striking in the film is that her father can't talk about the mental illness it's too hard for him so he says things to her like snap out of it and calm down calm down Mm -hmm. and when you're looking at a loved one that is so familiar that is acting bizarrely of course those are the words that come out of your mouth um but it is an illness you would never say to someone with a broken leg snap out of it Mm -hmm. you know and and it is that severe so um yeah having those conversations and understanding that this is this is a person that is suffering from something, but they can get better and they can live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gord, I thought one of the messages that I took away was never judge a book by its cover. As mm-hmm. we were talking just before the break, um, you know, there have been some sad stories in the news in the last number of years uh, about Kate Spade, about Anthony Bourdain, people who you would think had everything. They were rich, powerful, you know, successful people uh, who nonetheless uh, took their own lives 
uh, because of depression. Mm. And so from the outside, you can never really know what's going on with someone. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what I'm certainly like what, what happened to me after shooting this movie was I felt like some of the fear of uh, mental illness was taken away mm. from me in a way. And, and as Caroline says, more understanding. So, you know, obviously, you know, you live in Toronto, so we see a lot of yeah. see mental illness people end up on the street, you know, because they're, they're falling through the cracks. And, uh, in a way I was able to kind of see it as an illness, as Carolina says, like, uh, see it you know, as an illness and as not an just illness behavior. And not something that, yeah, yeah, not just behavior that, that's, that can be kind of shocking or surprising or frightening. And, and, um, hopefully if people can, can go away with that and realize that it's not something, I mean, I think we've had so much fear as a society of it for so long that, it's great to have the, and, and as people talk about it, then they, we're able to relieve each other of our fears of it so that we're able to sort of collectively treat it a bit more humanely. I think conversation is the way to, the way to acceptance, I think. Mm. Uh, I, you know, uh, you speak about it with people and people say, I didn't know anyone else felt that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, and, and I think that's a, a great way to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's redemption in this story. We don't want to really give too much away, but there's a, there's a jump in time that happens at a certain point in an audience of chairs, which opens on March 22nd. I'm in conversation with Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand, two of the stars of the film. Uh, but there's a jump forward in time. Carolina, did you imagine what happened to the character in that 20 year gap? Yeah. Um, what happened to her is that she needed she needed 20 years of unconditional love to finally have the strength to confront what happened to her in her past and um i also don't want to give too much away but yeah, yeah she she needed she needed mm-hmm. that in order to to have the strength to face her her children again and and what she did to them and it is it, it, it's interesting because the film allows the viewer to use their imagination when thinking about what, if any, redemption will actually be there. It's not spelled out. And I like that about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it definitely doesn't sp- spoon feed you any information. I mean, it is such a massive story that we needed to fit into 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, so you do have to use your imagination to fill the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Gord, your, your character, Ben, is part of that. Did you think about that 20-year gap? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think for, you know, obviously I'm an actor. I think selfishly of my, my own character. <laughs> but I do think about everything that Ben got in those 20 years as well. You know, there were certainly, there's certainly the feeling of a couple of misfits um, coming together and, and creating harmony, which is, you know, beautiful. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah. The film is called An Audience of Chairs. I'm in conversation with Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand, two of the stars of the film. It opens on March 22nd. Check your local listings uh, to see where it's playing uh, around you. Uh, When we come back, I'm going to ask Carolina about learning to play the piano, to play a concert pianist uh, in this film, and uh, find out because it's my understanding that you're limited in your knowledge of the piano. So oh, I'm going to find out yes. I'm going to find out exactly how limited that knowledge is and we'll continue our conversation about an audience of chairs. Stay with us. Welcome back. An Audience of Chairs opens in theaters on March 22nd, uh, shot in Newfoundland, starring my two guests, Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand. Uh, it's a story about a woman with mental illness who finds 
uh, redemption, who finds forgiveness, or at least goes looking for both those things. Um, this film uh, involves you being a concert pianist, and there are a number of scenes where we see you playing a piano. Uh, tell me about that, because it's my understanding you don't actually play the piano. No, I don't. And they don't do that thing, though, where they show your face and then cut to someone else's hands playing. They, they might have done a, a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, sure, they don't do that. They don't do no, that no, they don't see, do they that they at do. all. Um, yeah, um, after I had auditioned for the film the second time, um, I was waiting to hear about the film, and I was really worried that I wouldn't get it because I didn't play piano right. at all. Um, so I did a really risky move, um, and I contacted the director and just said, listen, if, if, if it's about the piano, I will learn it. Uh, um, and then once I got the part... Well, couldn't I, she be a drummer? Yeah. Or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I got the part, I had to eat my words and learn how to play the piano. So um, I, took, I took lessons for about a month and played probably about an hour a day and was very proud of myself when I could play the first eight bars until I realized that a concert pianist does not look at her hands Right. And does not look at the keys. So then I realized I had to be able to do it literally with my eyes closed. So I spent probably about two weeks learning to find the keys without looking down. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's fascinating how from one day to the next, your your nervous your your neural programming can can get it and can yeah. physicalize it. So it was a really fun journey, and then I've, I've since then I've forgotten all of it. So really, yeah, you couldn't do it now. No, I definitely couldn't. Uh, I couldn't. It, it's a, it feels like a different life. <laughs> Good. Have you ever for other films and projects? Is there anything you've ever had to learn how to do, kind of specifically for a part? Yeah, I had to learn how to play the piano once for a play. Oh. But, uh, you know, I did it perfectly. Obviously, I'm yeah. Sure you did. Um, no, it's uh, it's. Uh, I was I was hoping for this one actually that I was going to learn how to drive a truck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought for sure they're going to let me sniff a lot. I mean, why wouldn't they let me get behind the wheel of an 18-wheeler and just take it down the road? (laughs) Um, But surprisingly, they didn't, so I was quite disappointed about that. Um, But, uh, yeah, you always end up having some kind of skill that, you know, you have to kind of brush up on. I mean, perhaps not as complicated as Carolina, but that's the fun thing about acting is you get to do all kinds of different things. Do you have, like, a special uh, abilities like part of your resume that uh, you can, there are other odd things you can do that might come in handy one day? I can juggle for two seconds. Really? Yeah, it's never gotten me a job. <laughs> I, I have acting. My special skills are acting. I, acting, yeah. yes. I do. Saying yeah. words in the right <laughs> yeah. order. I Memorizing and saying else. the words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Memorizing. Great. Yeah. I are, are there, uh, uh, so here's the thing. I saw uh, recently that Anthony Hopkins is doing King Lear on stage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how can he memorize entire tracks of dialogue, a book's worth of dialogue, when I can barely remember, you know, a sentence I've just read? Is there a trick to it when you're learning and and just digesting huge amounts of dialogue? Is there a trick that you use? Um, It's basically put in the time. Yeah. You put in the time to memorize it. And I think that you, uh, you know, as you practice it, as your career goes on, you get better at it. You just exercise that muscle more. Um, but also when you're acting, you're finding reasons for saying the things that you're saying. Right. And so in a sense, there's kind of behavioral cues that happen. It's like, well, I would only say that next if I was thinking this. And so, you know, that, that helps. I think it's not kind of quite like memorizing a poem in high school. It's a bit right. more engaged, I think, than that. That's certainly my trick anyway. Damn it. I was really hoping you were going to give me some trick because I'm so uh-huh. bad at memorizing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. What do you, do you just say it over and over and over and over? And Well, I think, I think Gord said it right is, is most... The lines that we say are motivated 
by something. So you kind of memorize the motivations and then the words kind of float on mm, top of those right. motivations. And I mean, there are times where you completely blank and it's the worst feeling. It, you honest, Your stomach absolutely drops, mm. especially if it's an audition room. Because yeah. usually with audition, with, with characters that, with Mora, for example, the character that I played in Audience of Chairs, if you gave me a full new page of dialogue, I could have memorized it on the spot because I knew the character so well right. and I knew why she would say something. Whereas when you get an audition and you've got, you know, eight hours to learn a new character and their words and the way they think, they think it's a completely different beast. So I would actually say auditioning is a completely different skill than, than acting. And you were just in Los Angeles taking some writing classes and, and, and you write. Do you think uh, as a writer or an actor or some weird mix of both when you're writing things? You know what? I think as an actor and... One of the things that I've noticed looking at scripts is that writers always want to make sure that the actor gets it. So they add in all these extra words. Whereas, and, and I was just shooting a movie in Montreal, and I said to the director, I said, take out 10, or 10 to 20% of these lines because I can show you. I can, right. can non-verbally mm -hmm. demonstrate what the writer is trying to say, and I always feel like less is more. Mm. Most actors, Gord, I think, go the other way. They're like, I want more lines. No? <laughs> You're looking at me like yeah, I want more I'm lines. I'm saying, you know. <laughs> totally Gord. So yeah, Gord. I'm always, I'm always adding. I'm <laughs> rambling, rambling. Um, but I think, I think that's true. I think uh, I, one I find sometimes is scripts they're they're trying to get everybody in the room to understand too what's going on. So there's a lot of a lot of explaining. Sometimes you go, you know, we have some skills, we can do it with behavior, kind of thing. Yeah, you can. I I can always tell. I think a movie that is starting to lose my or movies start to lose my interest when exposition people mm -hmm. are explaining yeah. everything to you. It's like let's mm -hmm. trust the audience here. Mm -hmm. Let's trust that the audience isn't stupid. Let's mm -hmm. let them yeah. figure it out through the performance. And also, the audience doesn't have to know everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. You know, the best movie is when you leave and then four days later you think, oh my gosh, that's why the person yeah. did that, where you're kind of figuring it out and piecing it together as you go. And it also keeps the audience interested when they don't really know what's happening. I mean, there's a fine line. <laughs> when you watch a film and you have no idea what's going on, that can also be tedious. Well, it's funny. David Cronenberg said about his early films is that he understood them so well and he knew what was meant to be happening so well in them that in the editing room he'd say, oh man, I don't need that. And it would take out this. He goes, there's a couple of the early ones that don't really make any sense to anyone <laughs> except for me because I, you know, I knew them so well. Right. So yeah, there's a, there's a risk of going too far with that. An Audience of Chairs opens March 22nd uh, in stars Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand, my guest today, um, uh, allows the viewer to fill in some of the blanks. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. You know, I, I don't think that we need to be told always what's happening with, with Moira uh, because we can see it. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and we can recognize the behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what draws the audience in too is that they're, you know, they have to make up this part of the story themselves mm -hmm. according to what they feel and what they've experienced. Yeah. So sometimes the more you can make them leap from moment to moment the more they engage empathetically with the character. So I think that well, happens in this film for sure. I, I think so. And, and, and I think everyone has in their family perhaps someone with some form of mental illness and they'll look at it and they can see their experience reflected in how Moira is behaving. Maybe not as as extreme as some of the behavior we mm -hmm. see in the film, but it is uh, – and, and it creates a sense of empathy perhaps between the viewer and the and, – and, you know – 
the the film and other people with mental illness because you come to understand that sometimes, you know, life throws you a curveball. Yeah, and that's one of the things that me and Deanne had discussed was um, we will never do on screen something that doesn't happen in real life. Right. And actually that's one of the um, one of the the things the the psychologist had taught me. She said someone going through uh, a mania or a depression, they are just feeling what we all feel and but just to an extreme. So for example, if you're walking down the street and a car gets too close to you and honks, it really scares you and your nervous system jumps up really high. But then within five seconds, the countering nervous system balances you out and you get back to normal. What happens with someone with bipolar disorder, it flies up, but it doesn't come back down. Or, you know, there's days where we can feel a little sad, but then, you know, you go outside, you see a friend and, and our nervous system balances that out. It's con- that's co- happening to us all day. We're just checks and balances. Checks and balances. There's two nervous systems that are balancing each other out. With someone with bipolar disorder, that balance isn't happening. So they're falling really low or jumping really high. So she said, don't ever do something on screen that you, Carolina, have not experienced in your regular life. There are times where you feel so ecstatic and so energetic. So take that, but then you're going to have to extend that for three days because that's how someone with bipolar disorder feels it. Or there's days where you're really sad. Now you're going to have to extend that for two months. That's how someone with bipolar disorder um, lives it. When we come back, we continue the conversation about an audience of chairs with my guests, Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand. Stay with us. Based on a 2005 novel of the same name by Newfoundland and Labrador author Joan Clark, An Audience of Chairs stars my guests Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand. Carolina plays a woman who risks everything in order to reconnect with the daughters that she thought she'd lost forever. So it is a story of mothers and daughters. It is a story of mental illness. It's a story about people. It is indeed. And women make up many of the key roles. Uh, on this film, including the director, the screenwriter, Rosemary House, the story's main character. And uh, the editor as well. And the editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does Tell me, because we've been hearing so much uh, in the last number of years since hashtag Me Too became a thing that everyone understands what it means and what it is. Tell me, is there a difference of having a female director on a set I've been told, yes, Tatiana Maslany told me once you, you can feel it, it's like a completely different machine. Do you feel the same way? Gord, I'll, I'll let you yep. answer first. If it feels um, different, if there's a, a female director on set. Yeah, I think it does. I think uh, um, there's a, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say anything without sounding like it's stereotypical, but it's complimentary in the sense that, you know, generally the women directors that I've worked with are empathetic and they, uh, will tend to work with you, work alongside you a bit more than they will kind of be confrontational, I think. Um, that's that's the, the, the experience that I've had anyway. And with Deanne, certainly it was, uh, it was a very cooperative kind of um, um, discussion-oriented process, which was quite helpful. So no line readings, but her saying to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, why is your character it. saying this and that uh-huh, kind of talking uh-huh. it through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we could talk a lot about what was driving the characters and... Right. And a uh, nice acting talk, which is sometimes makes uh, traditional directors a little nervous. <laughs> and I just love it. So <laughs> I was happy. And Carolina, for you? Um, it's hard for me to answer that question. I, I don't know. I think Deanne is just a wonderful director in the sense. I don't know if it's because she's a woman or, but she was very, uh, we all worked together on it. And me and Deanne sat for a week and talked about 
the script. She really took the time. So I don't think that's her being female. I just think that makes her a good mm-hmm. director. But maybe having her at the at the helm of the project really brought a um, a, a balance of an energetic balance on set. It was one of the most pleasant sets I've ever been on. But I also think that's just because Deanne's a good director and made everyone feel welcome and yeah. made everyone feel at home. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a gender thing, but mm, very true. Um, but I do remember when we had um, we had a, a love scene, and Deanne was was very respectful and said, you're in charge. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. That is your choice. And of course, um, Gord as well is in charge. We can, we can dictate how we want this to go. Um, and that her empathy definitely showed in her respect for actors. And yeah, I don't know if that's a woman thing or just a good director mm-hmm. thing. Good point. More and more now, uh, if there are love scenes, there's no nudity in this film, but if there are love scenes, uh, with nudity in them, uh, there's more people on set, but there's representatives from ACTRA, the mm-hmm. Actors Guild, on set saying, okay, we're just making sure that everything is cool here, mm-hmm. which I think is probably a good thing. Yeah, and and we trusted Deanne so much that, I mean, we, if there was, I didn't even notice. I mean, we were just busy doing our, our jobs, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I had so, I had so much trust in her. And and maybe it is because she was a woman that I knew that she knew how uncomfortable this right. can be sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I felt so great on that set and very safe and uh, emotionally safe as well. I, n- I never thought I was going to get yelled at by someone, yeah. which you've, you know, we've all witnessed on sets and it's traumatizing. <laughs> Have you been yelled at on set? I have. You have? Yeah. <laughs> he deserved did, it. Did no. you deserve it? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, how hard is it to put away at the end of the day to put away a character like Mora? Um, I actually found I was – it probably took me about six weeks to unwind from the film because it was so intensive. You know, when I wasn't on set 18 hours a day, I was coming home to learn my lines for the next day right. and then – practicing the piano so I always had something to do so it really took me about six weeks for my nervous system to calm down to realize I don't have to get up early to do this that and 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 20 other things so I think I think I was pretty exhausted for about six weeks after we finished yeah yeah is that I mean is that a function of this character or is that typical for you oh it was definitely a function of the character also because she was such an important part of the story I think I was in every single scene in the film Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're shooting a film or TV, you get to kind of sit and just rest for sometimes right. hours at a time. But this wasn't that. If I if I wasn't on screen, it was because I was in the makeup chair being, you know, being aged up or aged aged it down. So yeah. it was uh, it was a lot of... And you were being pushed to extremes in every scene, you know, so it wasn't like you had sort of like moments where you were kind of just enjoying the scenery. She was always completely engaged yeah. and kind of reacting emotionally to it all. And yeah. I think someone mentioned to me the other day that they they find that when they act, their, their body doesn't necessarily realize they're acting. So you can, your, your brain can right. know, but perhaps when you leave, no, your body's sort of going like, no, what happened? Your, your, brain, doesn't, an emergency, your you know? brain doesn't know that you're pretending to be scared. If yeah. you are really in it, your brain is suffering from mm-hmm. what the character is suffering from. So it can be really emotionally exhausting. 
Unless you're schmacting, which we do sometimes. Schmacting? <laughs> yeah, Schmacters. No yeah. <laughs> Gord Rand and Carolina Martzak on the film An Audience of Chairs. It opens on March 22nd. Gord, you're a director as well. I am, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. made a film, which people can see and when and where and all that. Let's give that well, a plug. They can see it at the Canadian Film Festival on Friday, March 22nd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at exactly the same time <laughs> exactly as an audience time, of chairs. Which is a bit of a bummer. But audience of chairs is playing certainly all weekend, definitely yeah. on the weekend. Um, but uh, it's called Pond Life, and it's based on a film, on a play that I wrote, uh, geez, 10 years ago now. But I have all the original cast doing it. It's my first um, yeah. sort of like micro-budget uh, feature film, so I'm very proud of it. Hope and and it. tell me what happens. What? What's the what? What goes on in Pond? It's about uh, it's a well a kind of a morbid comedy about uh, a dinner party that goes terribly terribly wrong. Yeah. So it's full of awkward jo- awkward moments and and inappropriate jokes. <laughs> I love both those things so <laughs> good, much. Good, good. And and again, like we were talking before we flipped on all the microphones. You know, you you call it a micro budget film, mm. um, but you know, very clever to understand how to make that budget do what you wanted to do. And mm-hmm. that it's a dinner party, so by and large, one set. Yeah. And as long as the dialogue is great and the performances yeah. are good, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed, fingers crossed. But it was great because we had, if we had the cast from the original play, there was uh, they had already been immersed in those characters so right. deeply. And as Carolina said, sometimes you don't get a lot of time with scripts, but in this case, we had we had a ton of time. The actors yeah. had a ton of time, so it was uh, it was a uh, good. An audience of chairs kind of feels the way that you've been discussing uh, your interactions with the director Dan Foley. Uh, it, it feels. Like you had the time. You said you had a week to talk to her ab- about, mm-hmm. you know, the character and that kind of thing. It's almost uh, the kind of prep time that you get on a on a, a play rather than Absolutely. a film. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's quite unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you get a part and then you're flown out the next day mm-hmm. to yeah. a different country and you meet your co-star who was meant to be your husband for the past 40 years. It's, <laughs> it's all, yeah. everything gets thrown at you very quickly. Right. But I mean, even Gord, I met you the day before we had like a pretty intimate scene. Yeah. Um, and and that's just the weirdness of yeah. working in film. And, and you yeah. had not known one another before? No, no we'd we... never met one another before, but I met you in your hotel room and you were playing the piano. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody brought you oranges because they were worried you were going to get sick or something. It was all very, very nice. But uh, we got along. I mean, I think we got along great. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, it's one yeah. of those wonderful situations where yeah. you meet your co-star and you click right away, yeah, you understand yeah. each other and you trust each other right yeah. away, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you're playing you know, a long-term couple, uh-huh. that you really have to sell that. Yeah. And we've all watched movies where we thought, what? I don't, I don't understand yeah. why, did they like each other? Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, there is a film that's out right now that, that features uh, Julianne Moore and John Turturro, both giving pretty great performances, mm-hmm. but as a couple. And apparently they're longtime friends. They've known one another forever. I didn't buy them as a couple in oh, the wow. film whatsoever. So I don't know that just simply because you know the person yeah. makes it any more convincing yeah. on screen. Right. It's it's a it's a it's that ineffable quality. It's yeah. that you know we call it chemistry. Like some people really yeah. have it. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Uh, and some <laughs> people don't. You know. Um, and I think that for some reason it, it clicked with us. And we never did it. Sometimes you do a screen test where they put two people in a room right. together and 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 look for the chemistry. We didn't yeah. have that. Dean just cast us both and hoped it would work, and and yeah. it, it worked. And what was your audition process like, Gord? Did you mine was do it on uh, tape? Yeah, I put it on tape, and then I, I ended up getting the gig a couple of weeks later. So I, I put it on tape in my living room. So I had a, a less kind of intense 
um, audition process than Carolina. So I, I was lucky to get it. And I was happy because kind of sometimes when you audition for something, um, especially if you're putting on tape, you, you kind of just have to go with your instinct. And there's right. no, you're not going to a different room and people aren't kind of saying, well, try this, try that. You kind of go, here's, here's what I think. Yeah. And you know that if they accept it and they want it, then they want what you have to offer. So it's, it's kind of freeing in a way. Right. Um, and then, you know, once we got together on set, it was, you know, we were kind of, it was helpful that we were in Newfoundland and it was a sunny day. Yeah. And we were like driving a pickup <laughs> truck down the highway and it was yeah. sort of like, our, I think our first scene, it was like, you know, we were just kind of, we were driving and enjoying each other's company. We were, we, I think we were going to, well, I, I can't say what we were going to do because that'll give away the plot. But I thought our first scene was when... Don't we, isn't the first scene when you come into the room and we have to kiss? And that's why it was, I felt it was so weird because we didn't, we had just met. <laughs> we had to kiss. <laughs> oh, maybe that's right. Yeah. That no, that's right. That's right. Well, that got us, chemi- got our chemistry. Right. Going. We were like, <laughs> yeah. right, it was either it's going to work now or it's yeah. never going to work. <laughs> or one of you is going to be on a plane home to <laughs> Toronto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, it won't be Carolina. <laughs> so thanks, Carolina, for making that work. <laughs> the film is called An Audience of Chairs. It is based on a novel of the same name by Joan Clark, a uh, very popular book, uh, best-selling book. Now it's a film, opens on March 22nd. Check your local listings. Uh, we've been in conversation with my guests, Carolina Bartzak and Gord Rand. Check out Gord's film at the Canadian uh, Film Festival. If you happen to be in Toronto, uh, it's called Pond Life. And what else can we, do you have something coming up you want to plug other than an audience of chairs? Uh, no, not at all. I have nothing. <laughs> Well, there'll be something once people see this. Thanks to both my guests for being here. Thanks to Andre on the board. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll talk again next week.